Now that Daft Punk are breaking up, they have to prove that they were ever together. Because all we ever saw was two helmets. This could be the dudes who recorded Get Lucky, or it could be Tim Allen and Kenny G. We just don't know. Get this, everyone. I saw that Peeps is now offering new marshmallow-scented Easter grass. As in, my dog just ate a bag of marshmallow-scented Easter grass. What time can you take him? The FDA has authorized a vaccine from New Jersey-based company Johnson & Johnson. Johnson & Johnson will now pair the vaccine with needles from New Jersey's number one syringe supplier, The Beach. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Welcome to a new week and a new month. March the 1st, the third month of the year is underway. Happy March. Happy don't March. Say that. Yeah, we'll go with that. You know what? March is one of those like, oh, I feel like uh, hope is coming. Like there's a little bit of hope, glimpse of something nice. So I think that happy March is a good way to put it. Okay. Don't fall for the shit though, everybody. I mean, today is an awful day. 80 kilometer per hour winds. If we were closer to an ocean, we would be like nearing level one hurricane force winds today. But it's going to be driving snow in this case. And it's going to be whiteout conditions. I wonder what it's like if you're listening to this podcast right now while you're driving in a whiteout. That would be creepy, right? Because as we do this, it's not even 10 a.m. yet. But if you're hearing it, that could be legit. Not pretty. Uh, A couple of things that are happening this month, though, uh, daylight savings time. We are still doing that in Ontario. So this will probably be the last one. And then they can go ahead and make the new law kick in that we just don't change our clocks anymore. That's been passed. We just have to get New York and Quebec to get on our side and then we'll go with it. Where are we at with that, by the way, New York and Quebec? So I don't know if you've heard. If you watch CNN, you didn't hear. If you watch any other news, you've likely heard that Governor Cuomo has got a lot of accusations in front of him right now (laughs) about sexual misconduct and such. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing that you can watch one news network and not hear a thing about it. The same network that his brother is on at night. Or you can watch another news network and that's all they're talking about. There's no in between anymore. There's no more just hardcore, unbiased, unfiltered news. So, yeah, Cuomo, I don't think he's uh, particularly concerned about the clocks, but it's weird because politicians always get real uppity about this around when it's time to change the clocks, and then they forget about it until the next time. March the 14th is the day our clocks go ahead one hour. Uh, March Madness is back. We didn't get one last year, so it's the first one in two years if you're a college basketball fan or a gambling addict. We also have the first day of spring coming up. St. Patrick's Day is going to happen a few days before that. Passover happens at the end of the month. You're right, Kat. Happy March. It's just this weather that's bullshit, right? I mean, this is fake spring that we're in right now. Not even fake spring. We're still in winter. We're still in winter. I I haven't seen that yet. That feeling of like, spring is here. That's the fake spring. Like, you haven't even experienced fake spring yet. Fake spring is like when it happens for like one or sometimes even two days in a row where we get to like double digits. And then you feel that like, yes, guys. It's all good. It's all uphill from here. Where to put my flip flops? I gotta get them out again. And then all it takes is like one brutal day or two brutal days, which could come as late as uh, April. They could, and that's where it's like, okay, come on, I'm over this horse shit. Let's hope that that doesn't happen. But we're still in winter. <laughs> Coming up on this edition of After Nine, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Dr. Seuss. I I almost don't even want to. I get really fucking weird about doing these conversations where I don't understand why it's offensive, 
but the change is being made because presumably other people find it offensive. we'll, We'll get to that coming up. First off, the award show season is now officially underway. Golden Globes were handed out last night. You thought it wasn't bad, and I thought it couldn't get much worse. <laughs> See, but I, I'm doing it based on the hand that they were dealt. I mean, we're doing this in the middle of a pandemic, uh, hopefully actually a little closer to toward the end of, let's hope. But whatever. They they knew that they couldn't have people together, so everybody was mic'd in their own homes. I thought that was nice for them to be able to have that. It was either do that or do nothing at all, and they chose to do it, and Based on what they had going on and the technical issues I'm sure they encountered that we don't even know that they encountered before they went to broadcast, I thought it was impressive. Tina and Amy, by far my favorite part of it, though, because even from L.A. and New York, doing this at the same time, they managed to make it seem absolutely seamless, and I thought they did an incredible job. Okay, for those who didn't watch it, here is just a little bit of Tina and Amy doing what they do, being hysterical, last night on the Golden Globe Awards. Let us explain what this even is. Uh, The Golden Globes are awards given out by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association is made up of around 90 international no-black journalists who (laughs) attend movie junkets each year in search of a better life. We say around 90 because a couple of them might be ghosts, and it's rumored that the German member is just a sausage that somebody drew a little face on. Now, we, we know that you've seen a lot of crazy stuff at your job this year, but you have not seen the kind of stuff that we've seen at previous Golden Globes. This front table right here usually houses the biggest stars in the world. It's usually like Meryl Streep, just hammered, can't even remember what movie she's there for. Brad Pitt's always waving at me like, Amy, Amy. And I'm like, dude, I'm working. It's like, not now. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey just writing her name all over the tablecloth in pen. Quentin Tarantino crawling under the tables, just touching people's feet. The point is, do whatever you want, because they do. See, I mean, they were good. And, and unfortunately, that was the best part of the show, Tina and Amy. Because let's be honest here. A lot of people haven't seen a lot of the shows and movies that were nominated. It wasn't a great year for movies to begin with. Yeah. They they cut out the the long, awkward walk of the people getting up from the table and getting up to the stage where some people might fall, but, they might not, that sort of shit. But you know what? Can I just say, though, as you mentioned, sorry, but as you mentioned the awkward, I thought it was more awkward to have all of the nominees on camera at the same time the person was basically giving their yeah. second speech. That part, I thought, was actually more awkward than that walk. I'd rather have that awkward walk and the glance at the camera while, you know, Emma Stone or whoever it might be is clapping for the person who won against her. That was usually a little more in passing. This was blatantly, they kept, they kept like, you know, Bill Murray and everybody else on camera while the other person won something. And I thought that was actually awkward. You know what? Like, go ahead and cut to them showing that they're clapping, but don't keep it on them. And the fact that they kept the cameras on, I actually really disliked that. Yeah, I didn't think it was good either. And I'm sure they don't like the way it looked when they go back and watch that, the stars. But I mean, doing it by Zoom You know, I get that there was a lot of moving parts to it and, oh, okay, here's this category. That means we need this person, this person, this person, this person, and that person all live. Why didn't they just leave the mics on and turn the volume up if they need to? Like, you know how a radio board works. You can have the mic on, but nobody can hear you talking until you turn the volume up. I think that's all they had to do to eliminate some of the technical difficulties. Like the very first award, they had them on mute. 
No, I don't. I think that we can't assume what was going on. There could have only been a max amount of mics to even possibly go to air to begin with. So they had to switch off channels is what I'm thinking. So they could only have a few on. But yeah, I mean, that said, that was a nominee. And the first one, oh, you know what? I'll let you hear the awkwardness of it because Laura Dern, Laura Dern, uh, fabulous. She got fucked. Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and she got, she totally got royally screwed with this as she presented the very first award, which went awry. So in case you missed the awkwardness, we won't just let it be us that heard it. Here it is. I wish I could hear. As you can see, we unfortunately have a bad connection. We apologize for that technical problem and send all of our congratulations to Daniel on his Golden Globe win. He did me die. He did me die. He did me die. He did me die. Am I on? Is this on? Is this on? All right, cool. Can you hear me now? All right, cool. I'm on. We got this. We got this. We're cool. I I think it's funny that you could hear him. <laughs> you did me dirty. <laughs> you did me dirty. You did me dirty. They did do him dirty though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the winners are interesting. Best TV series drama, The Crown. I've never seen it. Uh, best performance by an actor in a limited series or motion picture. Mark Ruffalo won that. I know this. I know this much is true. That's the name of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never seen it. Uh, I did see this best actor in a motion picture, musical or comedy. Sasha Baron Cohen, Borat, subsequent movie film. Okay. Uh, actress in a drama, Andra, Andra Day. Is that it? The uh, United States versus Billie Holiday. Andra yeah, Day. I haven't seen, I haven't seen the movie either. I haven't seen that again. Yeah. Best motion picture drama, Nomadland. Haven't seen nope. it. Like uh, Chadwick Boseman won. I didn't see Ma Rainey. Ma, Ma, Rain- Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay. I didn't see like most of these I haven't seen. Yeah. Like they weren't mainstream things. No word of mouth because, well, nobody's talking to each other. We're certainly not going oh, to movie yeah. theaters. Yeah. A lot of them are were, uh, put to streaming. Uh, some of them were supposed to be in theaters, but then put to streaming. And yeah, I don't know. I think there's obviously a lot less to work with. That's why the streaming services took most of the nominations. Like Netflix, by a fucking mile, had the most uh-huh. nominations that of anybody. So, which makes sense because they were able to put their stuff out no problem. They didn't have to worry about the theaters being closed. So I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see a lot of it either. I was looking more the TV side. I was happy for Catherine O'Hara. Love her. Love Shit's Creek, who also picked up uh, an award as an ensemble for the best musical or comedy. So that was nice. Um, yeah, it was all right. The best thing they could have done was pre-warn all of these nominees. Guys, you get 30 seconds. And after 30 seconds, you're not even going to hear the band play. We're just playing going to turn you off. So say what you want to say at the beginning. Because people tried to get political and people tried to get racial and so on and so forth. And they just let them go on and on and on because nobody wanted to cut somebody off in the middle of a speech. But nobody's watching to see a three-minute acceptance speech from someone they don't even know who they are. My favorite was when Jason Sudeikis was, was saying thank you, which, by the way, he looked actually completely in shock that he won. Yeah. But my favorite is Don Cheadle started to give him the wrap-up sign. And I go back to the fact that we had Don Cheadle still on camera when Jason Sudeikis was almost at the end of his acceptance speech. Don Cheadle, who was nominated and didn't win, is watching it and on camera does the rap sign. And and Jason Sudeikis saw it because everyone was on camera. And he went, oh, Don Cheadle, tell me to wrap up. But he wasn't (laughs) wrong. I mean, Don Cheadle wasn't wrong because Jason Sudeikis was taking way too fucking long. But Mm -hmm. I just thought that was funny. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of bizarre. They probably could have canceled it. Nobody would have cared, but I assume it makes a lot of money for them. And, and just back to Tina and Amy, I don't know if they're going to get invited back to do it. I mean, uh, Ricky Gervais was pretty famous for when he hosts award shows. He takes shots at the organizers. That's basically what Tina and Amy did, but it actually seemed... Like, they legitimately don't like the Hollywood Foreign Press? Well, the Hollywood Foreign Press did address it, too. And I think that they obviously had the agenda, and they knew that they would. But the problem is, there's nobody black. There's no black members. So, yeah, riddle me that. That's a fucking problem, right? And they knew it, and they addressed it on the broadcast as well. They had a few members, very strategically picked members. If you watched, you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, to, To go on stage and to explain that they are looking into it, they realize it's a problem. So, they obviously were told... Or, or maybe they weren't told, Amy and Tina, to, to not say anything or to say anything, but they chose to. They chose to kind of make fun of the fact that, like, who are these people and why are they not very diverse? Let's change this. Now is the time. And if you saw the, I mean, if you see the winners list, you know that there was no issues there. It wasn't all white winners. That's for sure. So you can see a full list of winners now at scottandcat.ca. Netflix was the big winner, like you said. And speaking of Netflix, the new stuff for March starts hitting today. Included is the new Notorious B.I.G. Biggie Smalls doc. That's my plan for tonight is to watch that. And I'm so excited. It's the very first time that we've actually had an estate approved Biggie doc. So if you've ever seen anything, it's probably great. And it's filled with some fact. Maybe some of it's not true. Maybe it's some of it's overstated or some of it's understated. This actually comes from the estate. So his family and friends are going to be interviewed on this. I say are going to be. It's out now. You can watch it anytime. But we had a couple of people text this morning when we were doing our FM morning show saying that they either stayed up late or got up early to watch it because they're big, biggie fans. Yeah. And they said it was incredible. So I look forward to watching that. That's on the schedule for me tonight. Okay, let's go to, uh, no, no, you know what? Save the cat in the hat. The, cat, <laughs> the racist Dr. Seuss. We'll get to that coming up. First off, how pissed are the people that live in Simcoe, Muskoka right now? Back into lockdown. Doug pulled the e-brake. Yeah. He's doing donuts in the snow up I, there. I don't think it's the only e-break that we're going to have pulled, Scott. I don't. No. It's not looking pretty for where we broadcast our show from. KW, not pretty. Yeah, I mean, Waterloo Region's probably right on the brink of going back into the gray lockdown zone next Monday. Listen, the uh, the COVID variants, I don't know if it's as big a threat as they're trying to make it out to be, but they really are making it seem like these COVID variants are just as clear and present a danger as COVID itself was almost exactly a year ago. Keep in mind, we're only a couple weeks away from the one-year anniversary of when lockdown began. The NBA canceled all games. The very next day, boom, we started shutting things down. That's just coming up. I mean, I can't believe it's been almost exactly a year. We're like 50 weeks yeah. into this now. And, and some of these regions, I mean, I get that there are cases of the variant spreading in Simcoe, Muskoka. But was there really a need to go back into the gray zone? I don't want to harp on this, but listen, the government themselves said if you physically distance and you wear a mask and you follow the public health protocols, you are doing everything you can to limit the spread of COVID. If that's the case, then why are we still only allowing 10 people into a gym or into a restaurant? It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you can have a massive restaurant. That can only have 10 people in it. Or you well, can have yeah. a small little hole in the wall that can only have 10. Yeah, that's a gym stupid. that has two floors. You know, all the cardio equipment's upstairs and all the weights are downstairs. Yeah, they can only have 10 people, even though they've got two floors. Yeah, that whole it thing's just, still stupid. It doesn't make sense. 
But this is the thing, right? Like if all those businesses in Simcoe Muskoka are doing the right thing and they're following what the government themselves said is the solution here. And it's not like some some urban area where it's people on top of people. We're talking Simcoe Muskoka. It's a huge area. Things can be distanced. Businesses can operate safely. I don't understand what the problem is here. Uh, uh, do, do you want me to mention the fact about schools or should I just pretend like that's not happening? Because let me tell you something. Everybody's pretending it's not a thing. Everyone's <laughs> pretending it's not a thing. And, and, and I want it. So please know that when I say this, I'm coming from a place that like I, I know these kids and some of them need it. Some of them need the socialization. Some of them need to be a part of something. Some of them need routine and it's been important for them. And it's been like life-saving uh, for parents and kids. But let's not pretend like that isn't an issue because you have 25. I, t- I talked to a friend of mine just yesterday, two teachers that I'm close friends with who have 24, two more kids entering their class. So 26 people in a class plus a, t- plus a teacher and a teaching assistant in one room, your typical classroom size. How, 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 you know what I mean? Like how, how is that not even a factor? It is. Well- it is, and that's how it is. I think that that's partially how it's spreading. And again, I'm not saying that I want to abolish schools and bring everyone home, send everyone home again. I actually, I don't. I'd like to make things work with kids in school. I think it is important, and I think that the teachers, even though they hate it because some of them do, because they're not able to do everything that they want to do, right? Uh, some of the best creative teachers right now are, are struggling because some of their best stuff is, okay, guys, let's do, let's do this all together. Let's go into a group and then let's do this. And then like, no, you can't do any of that stuff anymore. And it's frustrating for them, but it's also important for them to be in that setting. So I don't really know. I don't have the answer and I'm not saying I do, but let's not pretend like this isn't a part of it. This is not a factor because it certainly is. Well, the problem is there's so many kids that are asymptomatic. Kids don't get symptomatic like older people do. And, and it, it's completely illogical to think that COVID is not a problem in the schools. We have Ryan Imgren. He's a regular guest here on After 9. He's a biostatistician that has crunched the numbers, and he says infections are coming primarily from schools. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the actual numbers, they don't support that theory. They went in and did some asymptomatic testing. They just went into random schools and grabbed a couple handfuls of kids and tested them all. Less than 1% were positive. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that we should discount that. I, I really don't. It, because they say less than 1% were positive, okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean that COVID's not in the schools. Mm-hmm. It just means COVID wasn't in the people that you tested. Right. And, let's and not- I don't think it's practical to test everybody, but maybe a two-week shutdown of schools is the solution. Well, Maybe that would stem this. It's also not mandatory to test anyone. And you brought up a good point. Yep. Uh, kids often will not show symptoms or show them so minimally that they might even not not even bring them up to their parents. Or if they do, their parents will brush it off as something else. And that's OK. That that happens. But there's also. The fact that some kids, I mean, you can they're not mandatory, those tests. So if let's say I'm a parent, I have my kid in class. And the kid comes home with all of the COVID symptoms. Like, I'm 99% sure without the test, this kid has COVID. I'll bring the kid out. That does not count as a case in the school. I'll just say, you know what? I'll keep him home for two weeks. No worries. But that kid's already been around a bunch of other kids. So that's an issue, too, where we're not even actually seeing the full numbers from schools because you're allowed to refuse the test, and so it should be. So when you're pulling out your kid who is COVID positive, you have no proof that they're COVID positive. So no numbers come from that, but it'll still continue to spread based on that, that kid that was there. I don't know if it is or isn't a problem with the schools, but it certainly seems, like I said, illogical to say that it's not. I mean, you have that many people 
in a small space with outdated ventilation systems, some wearing masks, some not wearing masks. And it's it's completely ridiculous to say it's not spreading through there because I've seen it firsthand. I was uh, happened to be at a school last week. First thing I saw when I pulled up into the parking lot was a group of about four kids wrestling in the snow. No masks on mm-hmm. at recess. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's crazy. Ugh, I don't even want to get into it. I, I mean, I don't want this to get any worse. And I feel horrible for you in Simcoe, Muskoka. And I feel bad for any other regions that are going to get moved into that gray zone again with this emergency break. And the emergency break's a good idea. Yeah, we're going to transition back to the opening. But if shit goes south... We're going to pull that break and you go right back into lockdown until we stop the spread. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But if it's something completely out of our control, like the schools, then it's completely out of our control. I don't have a kid in school. It doesn't affect me. I want to be able to go to Canadian Tire if I need something at Canadian Tire. If I need cat food, I want to go to uh, PetSmart and not have to curbside pickup a day in advance. Stupid shit like that. And people that have lost their jobs, too. Like, fuck. You're just starting to get back, and now they're going to e-break it again. It's very, very frustrating, but hopefully they figure it out soon. And if you're in Simcoe, Muskoka, I know we've got a lot of listeners up there that listen to After 9. We're thinking about you. I don't know if you do or don't think this is the right decision, but it's uh, it's certainly frustrating. We feel that. Oh, by the way, those COVID hotels, what a goddamn debacle. Let me ask you a question here before we talk about Dr. Seuss. Why? Did we need to add a layer of bureaucracy to this and have the government set up a 1-800 number to make a reservation? Why did the government get involved in the first place? All the government had to do when they put this quarantine hotel rule in was say, you have to go to a hotel. Now, whether you book the hotel in advance or you call when you get here, doesn't matter. You just have to be able to go. Why did the government have to step in and create a reservation system when Holiday Inn and Radisson and Marriott already had a reservation system that worked perfectly fine? Because they had trust issues. They want to make sure that the that they actually were booked in and that they will pay that. They want to be able to put their noses in it and make well, sure that get they your pay. nose out of it. Fuck no, off. No, that's if, not what they're about at Justin, all. Justin, Justin, just fuck off. You know, stay out of it. And I don't mean Justin specifically. I mean the federal government. It makes no sense that the government had to create from the ground up, like from scratch, a reservation system for hotels when the hotels were already perfectly fine at accepting reservations. I used to be able to go on the Marriott app and I could book a hotel room anywhere in the world. Now you've got to call a 1-800 government number who connects you to the same person. And that's how you make your reservation. It's the stupidest thing. And one more thing about these quarantine hotels. Did you see the people and some of the meals that they've been posting online? Oh, man, it looks like prison food. It does look like prison food. One guy ordered the um, the vegetarian option for his lunch, which they charged him like 45 bucks for. What a slap in the face. You're paying thousands of bucks to spend a couple of nights at a goddamn Holiday Inn. Not far from luxurious here. We're not talking like uh, uh, the West in here. We're talking the Holiday Inn Express. for the vegetarian option, which was a spoonful of brown beans and a scoop of rice and something else. It did look like prison food. Oh, and a salad. That's what it was. A salad with way too much dressing on it. I don't understand, though. I'm confused. Why why aren't most people just doing what we talked about last week in the podcast? Like, why aren't people just effing off and saying, nope, I refuse to take your test. I'm out of here so that you don't have to go through that. Why are people putting themselves through this? I think they just want to generally be compliant. And I get that. I don't want to break. Then don't travel. Like, I know some people are going to hate me saying that, but like, then don't, then why are you traveling to begin with? 
If you really well, don't want to have to comply, if you really are upset about what you might encounter when you return, why? So in one case, uh, there was a, they interviewed her on the news the other night. She's a snowbird. She's probably about seventies. Eh, she was she's been in Florida since the end of November. It was just time to come home. And obviously, it's a much different story when you arrive now than it would have been if you had arrived if you'd only been gone for a week. Heck, if she'd come back two weeks ago, it would have been different. But as soon as she heard about this shit taking place, she thought, "Okay, this is the best way to do it. I'll just fly home and I'll check into the hotel. She wasn't expecting this. And I mean, let's be honest here. What they're doing is wrong. I'm not saying sending people to the quarantine hotel is wrong, but the way they're treating people is wrong. If you're paying a thousand bucks a night, basically to stay in a holiday Inn, you should be getting premium a one service. You should be getting gourmet chef cooked meals for that price. This is the same hotel that you could have stayed in for a couple hundred bucks a night. Three weeks ago, they were begging for reservations. Now the government hands them this big contract and it's basically almost sort of empowered them to be assholes. Yeah, it's going to be a thousand bucks a night and here's some slop for lunch. One person phoned the front desk and asked for a bottle of water. Uh, yeah, my room's out of water. They said, okay, yeah, we only deliver water with meals, so use the tap water. You and I worked in Etobicoke for a long time, and I never drank the tap water. I wouldn't want to drink the tap water. We have bottled water for a reason. Unless you're in your own home and you're using a filter or a Brita or something, nobody likes drinking the tap water. But that's what they have to do in these hotels for $1,000 a night. And you know what? I, I really hope people remember this. Well, sorry, before we get to the remember it stage, I'd like to know, is this the government that's insisting it be this way or is it the hotels themselves that are cutting every corner possible to make the most money they can well, and at the, the expense of people? Yeah. And these are stories that are coming out of it, right? A couple of stories here and there. These are people that are bitter to be. They're not happy to be there. No. So let's not forget that. These are people that are happy. So they're unhappy. So they're going to go out of their way to make sure everybody knows how terrible it is because they're unhappy with the choice that they made. Uh, essentially. And I'd also like to know, though, like, are the the hotels treating people like shit here? Did the government make them do it? Or is it not that bad? If it turns out that these hotels weren't given any specific instructions, like nobody told the hotel that you can't have a bottle of water. They're just being cheap and they don't want to get you a bottle of water. Then I hope people remember that. And when it comes time eventually to start traveling again, eh, maybe next time you don't spend your money with that particular hotel chain. That treated you like shit when you were forced to go there. Something to think about anyway. Uh, let's talk about Dr. Seuss for a second here. And I, I never imagined we'd be doing this, but a Virginia school system has dropped Dr. Seuss from their annual event, which is intended to encourage reading because district leaders say the beloved author, the beloved author books having strong racial undertones. They're suggesting that Theodore Geisel, Dr. Seuss, his books are racist. Hmm. I'll be honest with you. I think I've read every Dr. Seuss book and never once did I get racial undertones or overtones from reading a Dr. Seuss book. Well, there never always... once did I think that. But maybe that's because I haven't experienced some of the racial issues that are becoming more and more prominent in 2021. Well, they're all made up characters, made up cartoony situations and block and stocks and cock and mocks and all this shit. I, I actually the cock hate, and blocks are the worst. Right. So I actually hate Dr. Seuss. My kids have a couple of books. I I don't like them. I don't know what it is. I just don't like it. It's a lot of like 
verbally drab, never liked him as a kid, don't like him now. Whenever my kids want to read one of them, I'm like, let's read something else. I So uh, that said, I, I, I don't like Dr. Seuss, so I'm not personally, I don't give a shit. Like, either way, you go ahead and ban the books, don't ban the books. I don't know the correlation here. If there's proof that it is, I can understand how you might not want to continue on, do you know, teaching it or letting them read it. What specific, are there specific books or are we talking like a bunch of books? Well, it's a report that accused the children's stories of featuring, and I quote, Orientalism, anti-blackness, and white supremacy. This is from Dr. Wade B. Byard, who led the research. He found strong racial undertones in, he says, many books. Here's the quote. Given this research and LCPS focus on equity and culturally responsive instructions, LCPS has provided guidance to schools in the past couple of years to not connect read across America. That's tomorrow with Dr. Seuss's birthday. He instead said that the book should not be banned outright, but students should still access Seuss in distinct in the district's libraries and classrooms, but not be included in special events. It's a 2019 report called the cat is out of the bag. Um, Okay, so he found some racism there. I haven't actually talked to a single person who read it and, and found racial undertones, but I also wasn't looking for somebody to talk about Dr. Seuss and the racial undertones. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I don't like them, so I don't really dive deep into them myself. But I'll give you a couple of comments that we had coming in this morning. Uh, Aiden actually said, I did a little more research on this. Look at the book, If I Ran the Zoo. This should definitely not be a book for kids to read. Uh, okay. Uh, most people, though, not happy about it. Uh, do we really have such pathetic lives, asks Judy, that you have to rip apart things that you find offensive? It's a book. If you don't like it, don't read it. Also, can we just mention, though, before I get into more comments, kids don't recognize these things either. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not saying, like, pick what you want for your own kid. Absolutely. And if you're a, if you run a book fair and you decide to pull the plug on all the Dr. Seuss books based on this, fine. You have every right to. But let it be up to you, you know, as a parent, what you want your kid to read. And I'm sure if you dive deep enough into a lot of different kids' books, nursery rhymes. Can we not fucking cancel some nursery rhymes that are absolutely horrendous about yeah. death, dying, bleeding? Like, it's unbelievable how much actual shit is out there. But it's up to you as a parent if you're worried about the kids. And, and something tells me this isn't really about the kids. It's just about saying fuck that to, to stuff you don't like. If it's really about the kids, you pick and choose what they read. If I pick something up and it sounds like garbage to me, like we had an old nursery rhyme book, for example, it's gone. It's gone now. I don't read that shit because what the fuck is this? Who, who wrote it? They had, it was a different time. So for me, I get rid of it. And really, it's up to the parents. Are we going to open this Dr. Seuss book? Or is a 10-year-old going to open this Dr. Seuss book, read a part of it, and say, well, I'm fucking racist now? Like, yeah. I, I don't Ugh. know. You know, I, I don't know if, if it really will have an impact on kids. But it, again, it should be up to the parents. And sure, again, if you run a book fair or something like that, you make the choice. Fine, make the choice. Can People can read it on their own if they want to. This is from Joey. It's interesting because when you actually stop and analyze it, they're right. There is a distinct undertone of racism, but it's very easy to correct. The storyline isn't necessarily racist. The art is. This has nothing to do with being sensitive. It's 2021. The world is starting to become more inclusive. If you see a problem with that, you are the problem. That was his comment. I'm just reading him. This is from Mary. 
Come on, Scott. If this isn't censorship at its core, I don't know what is. We're going down a slippery slope, and many have no idea where it will lead. Next, they'll burn the books. Mary, I guess that remains to be seen. From Matt, people just love to complain about everything now. What the fuck? Uh, From Robert. Yeah, because my five-year-old really has disturbing comments after reading Green Eggs and Ham. Hmm. Hashtag Joke Society. Uh, Okay, here's one from Tanya. Interesting that all of the comments on here that oppose the change are coming from white people. That's the definition of white privilege. If it hasn't bothered you, it isn't a problem, right? I guess. I mean, I don't... uh... I can't read it from the lens of a black person. I can't read it from the lens of a a Japanese person. I can't read it from the lens of a British person. I really can't. I I don't come to it with that skill set or that uh, uh, ability. So, I mean, I get it. There's some people here like Tiberio who says, holy shit, when is all this BS going to change? How all this stuff was okay for the last 100 years. This generation is way too sensitive. It's pathetic. Just sad, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I, I don't know what that he's means, He's not though. offended, but what, I... But what does that mean? Are there other people that are? What does that mean, this generation? What generation are you talking about? What's this generation mean? Who is that? I would assume the kids that are in school today is what he's talking about. I don't know. Listen, just keep in mind, no generation likes the one that comes after them. The baby boomers fucking hate Gen I hate X. the fucking generation shit because ex- exactly as you're saying, Scott, it happens generation after generation. Everybody hates the one that comes after them. You don't like their music. You don't like the way they dress. You don't like anything about that generation that comes after you. It just so happens that we've got a couple of generations now that are looking down on the youngest ones saying, what a bunch of pussies, rah, 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 snowflakes. Uh... I mean, at the end of the day, you can still raise your kid however you want to raise your kid. You can still get a Dr. Seuss book and have it in your house if you want. Now, I tend to agree with Kat. I don't think it's a very good book. I don't like any Dr. Seuss shit. I read it mainly because it was in front of me, but I don't think I actually enjoyed it. Hop on pop. Nobody gets excited to read fucking hop on pop. It's stupid. doesn't make sense. I could put it in the same category as Shakespeare shit. I don't like reading that, and I hate that I was forced to read it in school. I don't think it did anything for me. We all have things that are good for us and bad for us. Now, if this one was offending people, if it actually is racist, well, maybe we need to address it. Maybe there should be a label on it or something. Is that the solution, by the way? In the same way that they put those those warnings on tweets, like the information in this is disputed. Maybe no, they should put that on a, books. No, There's a no, some that this, believe this book is racist. It's like it's it's just fiction. Well, that's the thing, too. There is no such thing as green eggs and ham. You can't put a disclaimer on something that's supposed to be nothing. It's not meant to be a true story. It's not meant to be a fact. You don't do that instead of Googling something. Let me check the fucking Dr. Seuss book and see what it says. It's not fact. It's make-believe. It's a whole make-believe place that Dr. Seuss created. You can't put a disclaimer on, on that. Like, then what else are we putting a disclaimer on? Like, that's just stupid. Here's another comment. I have a buddy who's from Trinidad. He forwarded me this article. He said, and I quote, this is fucking ridiculous. Don't change the past. Learn from it and change the future. Is that fair? Or is there people who, nah, I don't don't know. (laughs) I don't know. In any case, I do appreciate all the comments, everybody. If you want to weigh in on this, it's on the Scott and Cat Facebook page. It's, uh, I'm trying to be part of the solution. 
I'm trying to understand what the issues are here. In this case, I don't know that I've seen any concrete examples that scream uh, that aren't inclusive. But if there are people who are truly offended, I think that needs to be addressed. Do we not? In any circumstance, if somebody's truly offended, that's an issue. Uh, you know what? Just just the awareness, I think, is good. You know, if, if someone is offended and, and looks at it and says, look, this is how this affects me as a culture, as a people. Uh, here's a, an example. Concrete examples. Make people aware, right? It doesn't mean that we're going canceling everything all the time, but it also awareness is, is important, I think, because there are certain things that we don't know that might go over our heads. So I think there's nothing wrong with having that awareness. But if I can just go back real quick to the whole generational bullshit, you got to yeah. stop. Because also, let's keep in mind that people making the decisions are probably from your generation. You're the one that's bitching. It's Those are the people making the decisions. You think that Gen Zers are making all of these executive decisions? They're not. No. So calm the fuck down with that stuff. Just stop. Uh, you can read all about that for yourself. Make up your own mind if you would like. Again, that is at scottandcat.ca or just like the Scott and Cat Facebook page, which is always very amicable. Never any fighting or name calling. It's mm. great. Just the picture of inclusivity itself. All right. <laughs> uh, be careful out there, guys. The wind, the snow, it's going to be shitty out and it's going to get crazy cold, but it is going to warm up again towards the end of the week. Uh, later on this week, Dave Blizzard will join us on Friday, and I'm I'm going to reach out and try and get Ryan Imgrund back on before the week is over, because I really want to hear his take on the school's cat. I mean, you might have hit the nail on the head there. You very well may have that uh, the school is the reason that businesses have to close, and I don't know if that would change anything, but it would certainly be nice to know, wouldn't it? Yeah, it that, would. It would. He's great to have on, so we look forward to having him on again. We done? We good? Yeah. Great. You guys have a good Monday. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.